This is the Brain Over Belly podcast, solving the puzzle of obesity with Dr. David Brown of Idaho BMI. Exercise, it's important, but it's not the key to losing weight. And all proteins are not created equal. Today, Dr. Brown explains the six best reasons to exercise, plus the right proteins to eat to feel right. Here's your host, Rick Dunn. We are back. Dr. Brown, hello. Hi, Rick. Here we are. Exercise and protein. Can't wait to get into this. Mobility and meat. Two topics people talk a lot about. Uh, They blog about it. You see it on social media. You see it everywhere. Let's get into it. Dr. Brown, what is the first thing we need to know when it comes to exercise? There's a lot of voices out there, a lot of opinions. Uh, I think... From my perspective and what I do, the most important thing is that, yes, I want people to exercise, encourage it, but not for the reasons uh, you typically think about. We usually, or at least we typically think of exercise as being valuable in burning calories. I'm going to go to the gym, burn some calories, and that's going to help me maintain or lose weight. It always shocks me how much I have to work, and I'm like, I only lost 87 calories, right? I feel like I've been riding this bike for three hours. (laughs) Yeah, it's incredibly inefficient (laughs) in burning calories. You know, like you say, you'd have to go run hours and hours and hours to burn 1,000 calories. Yeah, yeah. If you want to burn off that lunch that you had this afternoon, it's going to take you forever. Yeah, so that's not where the value of exercise is found. It's very important, but not for that reason. So if exercise is not good at helping me lose weight, what it's, it's not a bad thing to exercise, right? No, not at all. What is it good for? Well, a lot of things. Very important. Um, and I would say a list of six things. Uh, it's great for the brain. It's good for lowering insulin resistance. Helps um, reduce inflammation. Uh, it really helps also rate, uh, increasing a person's metabolic rate or increasing metabolism. Okay. Also, you know, this idea of, we've talked before about this process called autophagy, mm-hmm. Greek for auto-eating, uh, basically renewing several different elements in a person's body, cells and proteins and all kinds of things, helping to stimulate that process of renewing and recycling things in the body. And the last one out of the six, I would say, is just maintaining the ability to move in a healthy way throughout a person's lifespan. So if we're going to get uh, specific with with all of those things, let's go back to better brain health. How does exercise help me with my brain? Well, a lot of things. It helps reduce your stress. You don't have any stress, do you? Never. Okay, that's good. <laughs> helps reduce stress and anxiety. You know, people get the, the release of endorphins, uh-huh. which feels good. The runner's high. Yeah. Um, that's very important, but it helps to reduce stress and anxiety. Uh, it also helps to maintain brain cells. There's this chemical, it's called BDNF, brain derived neurotropic factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, exercise is something that causes release of that chemical in the brain and elsewhere, but that really helps to maintain healthy brain cells, and actually there are places in the brain where we can generate new brain cells, and that chemical is very much needed in that process. So if you want to maintain memory, Mm -hmm. lower anxiety, stress, um, 
yeah, exercise is a very good thing. And then uh, my notes say sleep. That's uh, exercise is correlates to getting good sleep. Then yeah, absolutely. So, and the evidence is pretty clear. Whether it's cardio or resistance training, exercise helps with the quality of sleep as well as duration. So people fall asleep faster, and they have better sleep when they're exercising regularly. Which that's very important for the brain, as you and I have talked about before. Yeah, you've gone over that a number of times. Uh, insulin resistance. How does exercise help us with that? So insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, think of a bank account. Think you have a savings account and you can make deposits. You deposit money in that savings account. Uh, and imagine that you have no way of withdrawing that money. You that could have a sound very fun. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could be Elon Musk and have a billion dollars in that bank account. But if you can't get it out, it does you no good. Right. Well, we're sort of doing that with our bodies in our modern lifestyle. In other words, we all can store energy in the form of fat, but with all these poor habits that we have today, we have damaged our ability to access that fat and withdraw it to use it. And insulin resistance really is one of the fundamental ways where we have damaged that pathway or the ability to withdraw that stored energy. Uh, basically, you know, think people think of diabetes and you have a lot of sugar in your blood, glucose. Right. Uh, in insulin resistance, the insulin that your pancreas makes, it is not effective. It's not as effective at signaling to cells to take the sugar in the blood into the cell. And that's ultimately why blood sugar goes up is that insulin isn't working well. So exercise... Uh, exercise helps to increase one's insulin sensitivity. Uh, it's just it cleans out that system, sort of primes that system for accessing stored fat and a lot of different things in the body. And it, you know, if there is one factor, if there is one problem, I would want to reverse mm-hmm. if I had it yeah. in order to increase my longevity. It would be insulin resistance. Huh. Uh, less inflammation. How does exercise helping us with that? Well, it's interesting. You know, really the reason we exercise Mm -hmm. is to cause inflammation in the very short term. In other words, you go and you lift weights and stressing that muscle actually causes Ah. little tiny tears in the muscle. Yeah. And the body's response and the immune system is to repair that very small injury. And it's in that process of repair that the body builds not just muscle, but the ability to manage inflammation and overcome it and reduce it. So it's this paradoxical thing where we exercise to cause a little bit of inflammation and the response to that is really where we get the benefit. So one way of thinking about this is, yeah, we go and we exercise. It's really not so that we can burn calories as we exercise, but if we're consistent and we exercise, it will help to increase our metabolic rate or the number of calories that we are burning throughout the day. And there's a couple of ways of demonstrating that. One is, you know, there are different types of fat cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's white fat cells, which is what we typically think of. I got a belly or fat someplace. I got we a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's white. <laughs> Okay. Adipocytes or fat, white fat cells. We also have something called brown fat cells. And what babies had a lot of these brown fat cells. They look 
brown under a microscope because they have a lot of what are called mitochondria. Basically, those fat cells, their job is to essentially burn fat and to create warmth, energy in the form of warmth. You know, in the case of a baby, it's to keep the baby warm. Babies can't shiver. And so they need some other means of maintaining body temperature. And that's one of the ways they do it is by having a lot of brown fat. Well, the traditional thinking is that as we age, we get older and mature, we lose brown fat. Mm-hmm. Um, but more recent research shows that it's a really good thing to maintain brown fat. And that's sort of easy to see. The more brown fat we have, the more um, fat that we're burning. So... And you can look at these graphs, and they show that body mass index, okay, most people are familiar with that, how heavy they are compared to their height. The higher the BMI or body mass index, the more overweight a person is. That correlates inversely with the amount of brown fat a person has. In other words, the less brown fat a person has, the more likely they are to be overweight. Interesting. It's hard not to think that that's connected. But the bottom line is that exercising is one of these things that stimulates um, the maintenance and growth of brown Hmm. fat cells. And so in that way and others, it increases a person's metabolism. What about autophagy? Autophagy. What is that? Mm. We've talked about it. We have? (laughs) Yes. What is it? Back to Greek. Autophagy, self-eating. Okay. So we all have in our bodies what are called senescent cells. These are cells that are old, dysfunctional, causing problems, causing inflammation, even maybe generating cancer cells. Um, So they're not good. We don't want them. Autophagy is a state in which the body... uh, recycles those things you know fasting is something also that causes this to occur this autophagy the body gets this signal that it needs to become more efficient sort of a lean mean fighting machine and so it realizes it needs to cycle through things and get rid of stuff that's not working so um, exercise whether it's cardio or resistance training helps to stimulate autophagy which, of course, is connected to inflammation and insulin resistance. All these things are connected. They work hand in hand Absolutely. together, all six of these things. Yeah. Mechanics of movement, that's the last one that you discussed. How's exercise helping us with that? Yeah. I mean, that seems pretty basic. Yeah. Or maybe um, not. I, it's probably the most practical or easy to understand. So research shows that we hit 40 years old and we start losing muscle mass. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of the cycle of life. Um, and that loss of muscle mass has huge implications on how long we live and how healthy we are. Um, one of them is just the basic issue of mechanics, how I move. Um, as I lose muscle mass, I move differently Mm -hmm. and there's more wear and tear on the joints. And so people develop arthritis and difficulty with joints and over time, you know, there can be so much atrophy in muscles that people start falling. And we hear that all the time. Somebody 80 years old, they fell and they broke a hip and they mm-hmm. never recovered. So the basic idea with that is, look, when I'm, when I'm 75, I want to be able to get down on the ground and do stuff with my grandchildren and yeah. go fishing and go to the hardware store and lift what I need to lift. 
So it's really not to become this bulked up right. bodybuilder. It's yeah. to live life the way we want to live life. Right. That, and that's what I mean by that is, is just being able to move in a truly physiological way that's healthy instead of breaking down as is so common. So these are all good reasons to exercise. I almost never exercise, <laughs> which is a bad thing. Um, it's it's kind of nice to go over all these things and real and you do think about when I'm 75 years old because I'm 50 now and I can I can feel it or if I uh, go for a long walk and my joints start hurting or uh, I start running and I go guy you can't run the way I used to run it's it's different and it's because I never do it. If you do that day after day after day, those joints are going to start feeling better. You're going to feel better. And then when you're 75, you can roll around on the That's the the idea, yeah. Uh, You exercise, I'm assuming. Do you exercise? How often do you exercise? What do you do? So I I exercise six days a week. Um, I'm a morning person, so it's the first thing I do, really, leaving the house, go to the gym, and I work out. Um, You know, people can choose all kinds of things, all kinds of ways of exercising. I encourage people to choose something you enjoy doing and be consistent. Uh, I do resistance exercise, so I lift weights. Um, I think... So you don't do a whole lot of cardio then? <laughs> you got me. <laughs> what <do> you laugh? <laughs> um, I like to say if I had to choose, which of course I don't have to choose, yeah. uh, between resistance and cardio, I would choose resistance. Um, I think probably there's greater value in building and maintaining muscle they're uh-huh. both great they're both recommended um, yeah. including by me but that's what i do i lift weights i do resistance exercise um i enjoy it and so that's what i do now okay so you do that because you enjoy that but what are the benefits from that what are, like what are your goals with with your routine that you go through it, goals all, all the things we've already talked about as far as longevity and movement and that type of thing metabolism and brain and sleep but my goals as far as lifting weights, you mean, or? Uh, just overall, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you answered the question. It's just so that when you're 75 years old, you want to be able to get down on the ground with your grandkids, yeah. that type of thing, right? Yeah, but I maybe it's worth mentioning. Yeah, I, I'm never going to be a bodybuilder. I have no desire really to do that. Um, and I think we go to the gym, typically males, male ego, we want to go lift as much as we can. <laughs> Uh, and as you get older, you realize the dangers of that. You know, you got to preserve those joints. I've seen some of those bodybuilders who uh, their bodies are destroyed by yeah. the time they're 50 years old. Absolutely. So, and that, that just accelerates the aging process. So, yeah. yeah, I think there's value in maybe lifting a little less, mm-hmm. going more slowly. When we stress those muscles, this principle of time under tension, there's good evidence that we can use lighter weight but slow it down using good form and the benefit to the muscle is just as much as lifting much heavier weight. Do you recommend the same type of routine that you're in for your patients? Is it completely different for everybody? Well, everybody's in a different place. You know, I have patients who are in wheelchairs. Yeah. And so exercise for them is going to look different. I like to say that everybody can do something. I think it's a matter of wherever you are, do something to push yourself physically a little bit. Um, of course, avoiding injury and being safe, but push yourself a little bit um, to maintain muscle, maybe build a little muscle mm-hmm. and increase your capacity to move, even if it's standing up from a seated position. I mean, that in and of itself is 
a little more technical and difficult than you might think. But yeah. So just do something consistently that pushes you. Make it hurt just a tiny bit, right? Not too much? Maybe. You want to be I mean, a little sore yeah, sometimes, right? Every yeah. once in a while? I always feel kind of good when I'm a little sore. I feel yeah. like, okay, I did something. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I don't know if that's right or not. And there's some arguments on that. You know, cumulative, is it better to go? Is consistency more important than intensity? Right. I think I lean in that direction yeah. of being consi- consistent is more important than intensity. A great analogy, I think, is water and rock. Mm-hmm. Um, water is very soft. Uh, we all enjoy water, need water. Uh, but water can have a tremendous effect on rock. It can sculpt and shape rock over time. Even a small trickle of water will do that. You think of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. So, you know, you compare that to be being just consistent in exercise. Those are little drops of water yeah. that you're, you're helping yourself each and every minute, every day. Yeah, and you, again, I love the thought or the concept of potential, becoming something. Yeah. Um, and that's just, it's all based on habits, doing things consistently. That is how we become, you know, what we have the potential to become. So we've talked a lot about exercise. We got to get into protein. I've got three truths here that may surprise mm-hmm. people, and then I want you to respond when I throw them out. Okay, doctor? Yes. Animal protein is way better than plant protein. True. Uh, yes. Um, so, proteins. We all f- are familiar with protein. Proteins are made up of amino acids. Mm-hmm. Got to tell you, when I was in college, I had this org- uh, biochemistry professor. He said in the beginning of a semester, he said, I am giving all of you the tremendous privilege today. If it was Plato or Socrates, they would have just died for the opportunity to learn the structure of the 20 building blocks of human life. And that is the the 20 amino acids. So anyway, everybody laughed and we had to crank through and memorize these 20 amino acids. Proteins are made of amino acids. Um, some of those amino acids we can't make. And so we have to get them from another source. And those that we can't make essentially all come from animal sources. So being a vegan is not necessarily the, the absolute best. You, there's vegans out there that want to strangle you right yeah, now, Dr. So. Brown. <laughs> it's the reality of it. It's, it's not an opinion. It's, yeah. you know, it's very, very difficult to get many of the essential amino acids from a plant source. Right. We're built to consume animal products. Um, and so, yes, that's one reason is that we can get all of the amino acids that we need from animal sources. But even if you look at a nutrition label on a plant-based uh-huh. food product, they'll give you the number for the number of grams of protein. Well, that's very, very flawed. One of the components of protein or amino acids is nitrogen, which is an element on the periodic chart. Nitrogen, very important in those amino acids. Well, when food is tested to determine how much protein is in there, it's really all that is done is is looking for the amount of nitrogen in Mm. that food product. And it turns out a lot of that nitrogen is not part of protein. So in other words, it's a it's not an accurate number. Gotcha. The amount of protein in a plant-based product is much lower than the label says. We have learned that you can't 
you can't just trust labels because people put them on there. There's right. you got to ask questions. You've got to do research. Yeah, there are nuances to this, and you just can't take something for face value. It was really. like the uh, the Atkins diet that we've talked about in the past. It's uh, it's like what is that really? Because some there's so much misinformation out there. People right. just don't really know what they're doing with that. Agreed. Yeah. Protein drinks are not as good as people think. I agree. Okay. Uh, there's this perception that consuming protein drinks every day, there's something magical about it. I used to do it 15 years ago or something. You know, this idea that, oh, I'm building as long as muscle. You, you slam that down and you're yeah, good for the day. <laughs> that's the key to healthy metabolism. Yeah. I'm not convinced of that at all. I think um, the protein in real food is much better for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, there's a study published a year, year and a half ago that looked at some of the popular protein shakes and tested them and actually found heavy metals in those protein drinks. Hmm. So I was already neutral on protein drinks before that. And when I saw that, yeah, I'm neutral to slightly negative on protein drinks. So do you think they're bad for you then or they're just not as good for you? Or, or is that is there just a big huge gray area there? I think there's it's a lot of unknowns. Okay, I just don't think they're very good for people. They're certainly not as good for people as people think. Okay, you don't need as much protein as you may think. Another area of tremendous controversy. Um, yeah, if you go back to that concept of autophagy, where your body in the right state, right conditions, recycles things. Well, one of the things it recycles is protein and amino acids. The body is just so elegant, so incredible how smart it is. It's not going to just dump something that is a valuable resource, and that includes amino acids and protein. So if a person has a healthy metabolism, healthy immune system, low inflammation, and they get into this state of autophagy, yeah, the human body can recycle protein and amino acids and i think that contributes to maybe a lower requirement for protein in our diet than we may think and do you th- are a lot of people in that state do you think or or the majority of autophagy? us know? yeah i think i mean it's a it's a cycling thing it's it's like sleep it's like fasting okay there are certain things in a healthy person's drinking life. a whole bunch of water yeah fasting will stimulate autophagy having ketones around in our bodies that also contributes to a person going into this state exercise mm-hmm. sleep all you know there so if we're doing these things consistently yeah we're going to be probably always in some degree of autophagy but we just want to optimize that regularly all right we've gone through the three truths now i want to ask uh what kinds of protein should should I be eating? If I want to be healthy and I want to feel good and I want to look good and I want everything to be heading in the right direction, what kinds of protein are we looking at? I think meat and eggs are the best sources. That's it. Short and sweet. Full stop. (laughs) Meat and eggs. Uh, But ultimately, yeah, proteins from animal sources. Um, Cheese. I eat a fair amount of cheese. Some people react to it or they don't like dairy products or their bodies don't do well well with that. But meat and eggs are the most nutrient-dense foods really out there. And so we get the most from them, including the protein content. High-quality proteins on meat and eggs. And again, you know, there's a lot 
of products out there based on plants. Soy, soy is everywhere. It's it's not a great it's not. source of protein. No. Go get a steak. Yes. <laughs> I'm okay now with you're that. talking. <laughs> uh, what about fasting or not eating as it relates to exercise? So I know of people who will do these prolonged fasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, five days, seven Ugh. days. No wow. food, um, water, electrolytes, vitamins, and they will do their normal workout routine. There's a guy I know of who... On so they seven, keep working out their normal yeah. routine yeah. as they're three, four days into this and they're not eating anything. Nope. But Ooh. they're healthy from a metabolic standpoint. They're adjusted and adapted to this and they're just as strong and explosive on day seven as they were on day one. Wow. So, you know, I hear people talk about or ask the question about exercising on an empty stomach. I do. I, you know, I drink a lot of fluid, but I think there are advantages to exercising when we haven't fueled up or eaten anything or protein shakes, anything like that. Right. Um, I think it, again, I think we're more likely to go into that state of autophagy if we're exercising while we're fasting or at least haven't eaten. But that's a controversial thing and you hear a lot of different things. That's my opinion. I, mm-hmm. think, I think it's right. Well, I would imagine you think most of your opinions are right. Well, everybody does, right? <laughs> everybody does. You got to know something to get to where you are. Uh, let's recap. So, what we should be doing when it comes to protein and exercise? Let's let's just kind of go through the whole thing real quick here, Doctor Brown. You want me to? Yeah, I want okay. you to do it. I don't. What do I know? So, <laughs> relating to exercise, consistency number one. Okay. Do something you enjoy. Yes. Push yourself a little bit. You do want to increase your capacity for cardiovascular function or endurance and strength. Right. Uh, Avoid injury. Don't fall into the trap of ego and trying to lift too much than you you should. Um, Just lifestyle principles, you know, cycle in and out of fasting, get good sleep, drink lots of water, stick with nutrient-dense foods, meat and eggs, green leafy vegetables, count as you chew time a break between bites and really try to avoid any distractions as you eat and listen to what your body is trying to communicate to you. So final thoughts, Dr. Brown. We've talked a lot about exercise. We've talked a lot about protein. We break it all down here. What do you want to leave, uh, what do you want to leave our listeners with today? Everybody's a little different. And so it's important not to judge ourselves too harshly, comparing ourselves to other people. I think the more productive way to go about this is compare one's self to yourself what you could do three months ago and just trying to stretch that a little bit become a little better Um, but it all comes down to consistency i like how you you always say listen to your body and that that goes for when you're eating probably exercising or all all of these things that we do you got to listen to your body everybody's body is a little bit different yeah and the human body is absolutely genius Thank you, Dr. Brown. Thank you, As usual, we will see you next month. Deal.